What would you give up for a million dollars? You know, would you give up the next year for a million dollars? Would you do it? And a lot of people are like, yes. And they're like, how happy would you be if you got a million dollars just handed to you, you know, tomorrow when you wake up? They're like, I'd be so happy. What if you got 10 million? Even more happy, right? What if you got a billion dollars tomorrow, right? I would be the happiest man on planet. And then they're like, what if you, but what if you don't wake up at all? Welcome to another episode of That Changed My Life, a podcast where real people share their personal stories of transformative moments that altered the course of their lives. In each episode, we'll dive into the personal stories of individuals who have experienced transformative events that shifted their perspectives, sparked newfound passions, or led them on unexpected paths. From life-altering decisions to chance encounters, our guests will candidly share their journeys of transformation, growth, and self-discovery. I am your host, Alex Lovely, a real estate investor and life coach on a mission to discover the extraordinary ways in which our lives can be forever transformed by a single moment. Hey, Sujay, what's up, brother? Welcome to the That Changed My Life podcast. And just super excited that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come join me. No, so, absolutely. And I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Um, you know, I want the audience really to get a sense of who you are on top of, you know, the accolades and the things that you've achieved in your life. So a lot of this podcast and this, uh, this call right here is to, to share with the speaker and get people to know who you are and then, uh, you know, deeper on top of all the things that you've accomplished. So I personally know that you are amazing and I just want to take this opportunity to share it with the world. You know, so I can, I can like, I, like I always do, I can always share your accolades and stuff, but I want you to tell the, the world who you are, what you represent, what's important to you, and don't forget to share your accomplishments. I know you never like to do that, but I'm, I'm always going to force you and push you to do it, do it. Yeah, absolutely, Alex. And, um, you know, you've, you've put me on the spot a few times <laughs> to share my accolades, and I, I hate doing so. Because I always, I always say, like, that doesn't define who we are. Um, but again, it, it provides some sort of, you know, some sort of uh, recognition for, for who the person is talking to or who the audience is listening to. So I'll start out by saying that, you know, I'm in real estate specifically in uh, the hospitality industry, which basically means hotels. Um, and so I'm in the hotel industry. We franchise with brands like Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, Choice, Wyndham, Best Western, and the list goes on. So we're franchisees of these hotels. I know we've been hearing a lot about these boutique hotels um, but that's that's not what our niche is. Our niche is with these franchise brands, and the brands bring a lot of loyalty. So right now we have about um, eleven in the portfolio, two more under construction, and a couple more that we have offers out. We're always doing transactions. So um, so that's kind of our portfolio. What we've created um, over one hundred and thirty million in assets um, in the hotel space. We also invest in other types of real estate, uh, but sometimes we do that more of a passive, passive investment. So we invest in multifamily, you know, obviously residential homes, um, Airbnb, that kind of stuff. I mean, all those asset classes are great as well, 
Um, but primarily for us, we focus in the hospitality space. We're owners, operators, we do acquisitions, we do development, ground up construction, all, all of that. So. Okay, so why hotels? Let's just, let's just go right into this. Why hotels? I know we have this conversation all the time, but why, why hotels? Yeah, absolutely. So hotels provides a lot of cash flow. And you know, one of the things I always say is hotels is a business plus real estate. And so the business component allows you to have that active cash flow every single day. And so, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about syndications, for example, we're able to provide really good and competitive prep returns while also being able to take care of ourselves. So it makes great um, investments for syndications, as well as if you didn't want to syndicate, if you wanted to keep it uh, in the portfolio for a long time, which is something else that we also do. Um, you you know you have that cash flow that's coming in every single year and a very strong cash flow at that. So typically we look for about a twelve percent cash on cash return uh, when making a hotel investment. And then on wow, top of that, awesome. yeah, it's it's wonderful. And on top of that, you're building you know equity, so your debt service coverage ratio is strong, and so you're able to do a, a, a permanent mortgage on the property. You know, amortize over 25, 30 years, and you're paying down that debt every single month, which is another maybe, you know, you, you don't see that cash flow, but that's still income. And at exit, whether it's five years, seven years, or 10 years, when you exit the property, you know, you, you get to cash out on all of that equity that you've built, plus real estate appreciates over time. So just like your single family home or your primary residence, after 10 years, hopefully the value of that is going to go up as real estate appreciates. It, it goes with inflation, those kinds of things. And so when we sell or exit the hotel space in five, seven, 10 years, we, we also capture that appreciation. So overall, it makes for a great investment. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the drawbacks, and I know, you know, Alex, you're going to ask me why not invest in hotels and <laughs> favorite question. So, you know, one of the drawbacks is it's, it is a business. So there's that operational component to it. There are ways to get around it. You can hire a third party management company, similar to you would with multifamily or other asset classes, even Airbnbs uh, or your residential property. There's property management companies you can hire. So similarly, you could do that with hotels. Um, but our model is to operate them and we have our own management company now and um, it, it allows for good layers, allows us to really manage the assets and optimize the efficiency and optimize um, our bottom line. So, hmm. Awesome. Okay. You are young. How old are you? I'm 31. Bro. So you're 31. That's, that's going to be an inspiration for people that are you know, watching this because they could be older or they could be younger, but at the age of 30, what, when did you get started? Yeah. So I got started, I think when I was what, 25, 2017 was when I got started. So, so, so in six years you were able to do this. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. And if I think about my life, six years down the road, adding $130 million of real estate to my portfolio. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. So, how did you get into it? What were some challenges and what did you have to overcome to make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. And I, this is something, Alex, we talked about earlier this week is when I started, I, I didn't even know what ROI was. You know, I remember I remember sitting there with my first P&L. We were, I was trying to do an acquisition and I was like, you know, someone asked me, they're like, what would the return be? And I'm like, oh, like a couple hundred thousand. 
And I had no idea, right? I didn't know what ROI was. I didn't know how to calculate it. I come from a science background, so I was a neuroscience major. Uh, you know, I wanted to, I didn't necessarily want to be a doctor, but I was told that I needed to be a doctor my whole life. And, and that's the path I kind of followed. But, but my family was in business and my dad was, you know, he was an entrepreneur. And so I was always around the conversations. I was always exposed to, to entrepreneurship and, you know, just thinking along that line of, you know, making your money work for you and, you know, how to set up, set up these building blocks for the future. And so it was always around that kind of environment, which really pushed me, I think, to follow entrepreneurship and leave that, um, leave the medicine line that I had, I had chosen. So again, didn't know what ROI was, uh, didn't know what it meant with, for, for development, but really I just, I just took a step and something I was thinking about earlier, right before this call was, you know, what is, what's the biggest thing that holds us back? And I was thinking fear, right? Fear is what, what, what I've been thinking until now. But today I was thinking about it and I think it's almost dreams. You know, we have these dreams and we keep them as dreams and the dreams hold us back because if you try and you fail and you're not able to get there, then now all of a sudden that dream is unattainable or, or you're, you're, you realize that you can't, you can't have that anymore. Right. And so sometimes I think that we have these fear, uh, dreams and we have these visions of where we want to be and we just want to keep them there we don't want to start taking those steps and um you get to mount everest and you decide you want to climb mount everest and then you look up at the at the mountain and you're thinking how can i ever get there right and sometimes you have to break it down and just just say okay i'm gonna get here first then i'm gonna get here then i'm gonna get here and that's really all it was um it was breaking it down and understanding that you know what like i just need to get my foot in the door I need to get one brand. As soon as I do that, you know, with social media and all the, the platforms that we have today, I mean, you can easily leverage that into the next one, into the next one, into the next one. And raising capital for your first deal is always the hardest. You know, once you do it once, it's rinse and repeat. And the first million is the hardest. You know, after that, two, three, four, five million, it's not that bad, right? Like you can make a couple phone calls. Even the people who invested the first million with you, they'll make calls for you. They'll tell their friends. And it just becomes a lot easier um, after you do the first one. But the biggest thing is take that first step. And what I did was I leveraged partners or relationships with people who did understand that space. So whether that's my, my dad or my uncle or my family friend, whoever it may be, anyone who I know that understands that space, align yourself with them. And Alex, I know you do a wonderful coaching program. You, you're setting up this platform for people to learn and, and that's what it's about, right? So everyone who's listening to this, you're already doing that. You're taking that first step and don't be afraid to collaborate. Don't be afraid to partner with people and learn from them. So that way you can go out and do it, do it yourself the next time, right? So, um, you know, create win-win-win situations, partner, partner with people who might understand a little bit more or who might have expertise in, in a place that's your weakness. And then you can build upon that and, and, get, and get rolling. So, you know, my first deal had no hotel experience. I didn't know how to run a hotel. I didn't have any you know, brand recognition, nobody at the brands knew who I was. And, you know, now when we're doing a new build, I can call up, you know, my guys at Hilton, Marriott or Hyatt or wherever, and, you know, they'll, they'll jump on an opportunity with us. So.
Yeah. Okay. So for first deal that you got into what was like what was your where was your financial where were, were you financially like, what, uh, my first deal i got into i made about oh man i made thirty thousand dollars a year when when i decided to do my first deal so um I okay didn't have, that, that, that's probably below what most people are making so there's hope yeah. for everybody that's watching if you want to get into the hotel business you can do it that's awesome so Give us more, give us more, like, I want more towards the beginning, like for somebody that's just like, is this a possibility for me? Then what? So I, I, I did not have any savings. Um, I, I had started another business, which was, I opened up addiction rehab facilities. And, you know, at the time I was only drawing out about 30,000 a year from it. Um, didn't have any savings. I lived, you know, I lived with my, my parents. Um, so my expenses were, were minimal, but you know, I wasn't making too much and I didn't have a lot of savings. So what I did was I raised capital for my first deal. Um, I found a piece of land. I was just driving, driving through and, and, and I knew cause my dad, once I decided that I wanted to go into business, you know, I had the long, long vision instilled in me, you know, from my father and he made sure that I, I didn't get a job. So I had a college degree. I could have gotten a job, you know, probably could have made a little bit more than I was making at the time. But he's like, no, because once you do that, you fall into this like sense of security. You have that mm -hmm. nine to five, you have that W2 income coming in. And it's, it's hard to step away from that and, and take that risk when you have that security, that thing that's to fall back on. And so he said, you know, sense, like, actually, <laughs> what was that? It's a false sense of security. It's actually yeah. just a crap. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but, you know, in your head, you, you, you become so structured and every other Friday you're going to get that paycheck, which doesn't happen in business. Right. So, so many times I had to say no to my friends who were taking a trip to, to Vegas or, you know, overseas. And they're like, come on, man, it'll be fun. And we, you know, we've been a couple of years out of college at this point and, you know, they're making good money and they want to take these trips. And I, I couldn't, I had to sacrifice thinking of the long game. And so, Anyway, going back to the story, so you know, we were driving around. I found a piece of land that I loved, and I I thought to myself, what can I do here? And it was right off the exit, great frontage off the highway, um, and I thought hotel. You know, what what could be better than a hotel right here? And so I started calling up the brands, and you know, of course, because the brands have to have to respect the people that already have assets in that market. You know, I called Hilton. They said, we're super interested in, in doing something here. Let us check with our other franchisees in the area first if, if they're okay with it. And obviously people blocked us out. And so, you know, we couldn't get that. So we, we kept going down the list. We started calling these franchises. And finally we found IHE, which is Holiday Inn. And they jumped on the opportunity with us. They gave us the license. And, you know, right away- How did you know to do that though? How did you know to do that? Like. I want to get into hotels and I just see a piece of land. And how did you know that you were going to start reaching out to these brands? Like, did you have somebody to guide you at least in this business? I had, I had a, I partnered with a couple people who, who had experience in the hotel industry and had experience with brands. And so they, they came in as, uh, as partners, but I was the one who was kind of running the show. So I was the one who was making the decisions, that kind of stuff. But you know, they were there to guide me every step of the way. When I had questions, I would call them, you know, and this was first development project. So I don't have, I don't own or operate a hotel yet, 
and right <laughs> away 30,000 a year <laughs> I, I jumped into development right and and I'm not gonna like I was smart right so I, I I was smart I was able to to think through things I was able to conceptualize stuff and and I called up these guys and you know I, I used them as guides for me and we got in we we built our first hotel uh, just like that and and so you know they told me hey these are the brands I, I educated myself I used you know Google and YouTube and all these things and I understood which brands brought which value like what value you know how many loyalty customers each brands have I did my research on all of that and, and I stumbled upon IG um, that way and they were actually launching a brand new flag so Holiday Inn is their most recognizable uh, a brand and I don't know if it's because there's so many of them or because of the song, right? Chilling at the holiday. <laughs> I, I don't know. It. I don't know why, but IAG is actually the umbrella corporation for that brand. Uh, oh, just like Hilton owns Hampton or um, you know Hilton Garden Inn or Marriott owns Fairfield Inn or uh, JW. Just like that, IAG is the is the franchise that owns the Holiday Inn flag, and they launched a new. A new brand it was called the avid hotel so we were one of the first ones in ohio one of the first i think like 20 built in america and so a new space for everyone you know there weren't a lot of these hotels out and you know alex i'm sure you still probably haven't heard of the avid hotel no. um, <laughs> yeah it, it had a little bit of a different uh prototype to it and things like that but yeah my first my first project was the development project and you know, it was a lot of learning as we go, and that development took us about three years to, to complete. Wow. Um, where Wait, so your first project took three years. You've been in the game for six years. Uh, yeah. So the first three years was one. Yeah, well, so, then... so while that was building, we went ahead and started doing acquisitions as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, so we started and, doing and acquisitions. And still under the guidance of somebody. Yeah, we, I, I partnered and then now, you know, now I don't partner now, you know, I, I do it myself, but the, the first one was actually the first acquisition. Um, I had, it was more of a consulting thing. Um, so didn't have a partner, but it was a consulting thing. So the first hotel was, was completely mine, you know, took a hard money loan out for the down payment. It was, you know, a personal loan. I didn't even syndicate that one. I just took a personal loan and you know, we put we put a million dollars together and, and bought that hotel. So, um, can you know, I still buy a hotel with a million dollars right now? You can, you can, I and that's will. that's yeah, and that's that's where I recommend to start. You know, is is that four or five million dollar range is is the kind of properties that you know if somebody was starting, I would say that's where you want to go out and filter. So when you go to all of our hotel sites, uh, brokerages, you know, and you have those filters. I want you to put under six million because if it's five point one, you don't want it to filter out. So under six million, but you know, really look for around that four or five million dollar range because you know when you get to the one or two million, you don't have the revenue to support having a manager on site and the staff. Mm. But when you get to the four or five million, you, you're now at like maybe a seventy room hotel or seventy five room, you know, Quality Inn or a Best Western or a Choice Hotel. You're kind of playing in that range, and you can afford having a full-time general manager um, that will kind of take away that operational pressure off of you. So um, that's what I recommend, and, that, and that's where my first acquisition was. I mean, but that property now is worth at, you know close to seven million. But you know, wow, it is what problem. it is. So. 
Okay, so in such a short span, you were able to do that. For somebody, again, brand new. I mean, now, I mean, you know what you know now. What would you recommend for somebody brand new now? Yeah, well, I mean, first thing, and, you know, there's something called buyer's remorse. So that's as soon as you as soon as you get in contract and it's non-refundable and you're past that due diligence period, the first thought that comes is, oh, crap, right? It's what did I just do? Am I gonna lose everything? Oh my god, like did I make a mistake? And and it happens all the time. Sometimes it still happens to me, you know. And 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 it's almost good because it makes you check yourself and rethink and push you to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? It's always good to have that a little bit, but I had that a lot, you know, I got into contract and, you know, I put an LOI, as soon as I put an LOI, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, but don't, don't be afraid, trust your numbers, you know, educate yourself, uh, trust yourself, and then just get started. So start calling the right mentor, right leadership, right information, all of that is important. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and that mitigates that risk factor, right? Aligning yourself like... For, I have a couple students right now and you know we're underwriting deals together. Every single day we underwrite a few deals. They bring them to me. You know, I have a pro forma, they plug and chug, we go through it we, and we trust our numbers. And you know, we, we've, we've looked at you know, maybe 10 deals this week already and we've said no 10 times because we trust our numbers. And, but when we do find that deal that's a yes, you go. You, you start running with it, right? And, and don't be afraid to call the brokers. Don't be afraid to call you know, sellers if you can get in direct contact with somebody and start talking to them, have that conversation. A lot of times people are like, oh, but I don't know anything about hotels. Well, guess what? I didn't either. So, so start making those calls. You know, you'll know what you don't know only when you get started. So when, when you call a broker and they ask you, you know, what are you looking for? What brands are you looking for? That's when you realize, oh, shoot, I don't even know the brand names, right? I so then you'll go back. Things quickly. <laughs> yeah, you'll go back and do research and, and learn it again. And so um, one of my favorite quotes is like from Socrates, and he always said, um, I know what I don't know, right? So I know one thing. I know what I don't know. So um, you only know that once I know you- that I that I don't know. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and you can only do that once you jump in, right? Uh, yeah. Once you jump into the water, or the ocean, and you expose yourself, you'll get better at it every single time. And now all of a sudden, you know, then there's the lending aspect, right? So you go to these banks, and you ask for a loan, and they ask you questions back, and you have no idea what you're talking about. I remember my first time, they asked me, can you create a, a pro forma? for what you think is gonna happen in the next five years. <laughs> I was like, yo, I don't know how to create a pro forma. So I asked them to send me a pro forma from another, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, we, I mean, you know, obviously we know, we know that this thing is gonna, it, it, it's gonna work. It's gonna be a good deal. What exactly are you looking for? Can you send me an example of what you're looking for? So that way, you know, we can create something uh, to satisfy the bank. And so they sent me something, I just, you know, ch- changed up the numbers, but whatever, you, you learn as you go. That's and great. Uh, now when, when a bank asks me, I mean, it's all ready, right? It's all part of our underwriting process. Yeah. And uh, we have our system. How, how do you get, how do you, how did you get your first loan? I mean, this is another question people guess. You got to, somebody got to sign on to the loan. Yeah. They require experience. They require net worth. I mean, you were making $30,000 a year. So what yeah. did you have to do to get your first loan? Yeah. So my first loan, we actually got a co-signer on it. Um, oh. And because hotels are a business, we can... And I know you're familiar with this, Alex, but we can get an SBA loan. 
so small business administration loans. So that helps um, mitigate the risk for the actual bank, um, the first lien holding bank, because the SBA comes in and they provide another, you know, 10% or, you know, 15% of the loan. Actually, I think it's 20%. So they provide another 20% of the total loan as non-recourse debt. So it mitigates the risk uh, for the bank, the regional bank or whoever it may be. And then I had a co-signer come and co-sign on that. And, you know, we can give them a fee and those kinds of things. So there's, there's creative financing structures that we can implement. Seller financing is another big one. So especially when you're in that four or five million dollar range, a lot of sellers will offer seller financing and there's ways to sell that, right? So one of the things I always say is, listen, man, you're going to make so much money. You've had this hotel for 15 years. You have so much equity built up. I mean, tax, you're going to get spanked by taxes, right? So, you know, why don't you give me seller financing for two years or three years and I'll pay you back first, you know, I'll pay you back, you know, 50% of the profit first or whatever, you know, you can structure it. Um, but at least now you can spread out that gain over two, three years and you don't have all of that gain in your first year where you're going to pay, you know, you're going to be in the 40% bracket or whatever. And so there's ways to sell it. There's ways to negotiate. There's ways to get it. And, and that's the thing, right? Like we've done so many transactions now that, that I understand all of this lingo. So, you know, you definitely want to align yourself with someone who does understand whoever you feel comfortable with, but someone who understands. And at the end of the day, real estate is real estate. So whether you're buying a hotel or multifamily, you know, the underwriting process is very similar. The fundamentals are similar. You, you put in money and you get back a return. I mean, that's what it is, right? So, um, it's very similar to other asset classes. So even, you know, a lot of times like I listen to, to guys like you, Alex, or, or other, you know, multifamily giants or short-term Renzo giants. And I'm, I'm always learning. So I'm always a student of the game and we're always learning new ways to, to get financing or get deals done or, um, you know, get creative with it. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, no doubt you're an expert in this field. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, maybe I should just get into the hotel business now. You know, I, I really just want to do something with you. And I know we're looking, hopefully we'll get some hotels done in, in the in the near future. So I want now the, the audience to get to know a little bit more about you. I know there's a journey, there's all these things, there's this stuff. So I wrote down some questions for myself. So I remember, um, what gets you excited about life? Like what has you wake up in the morning like, okay, I'm excited. Today's a good day to be awake. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so cool because I, uh, I was listening to something recently and someone asked um, if you could, what would you give up for a million dollars, right? Like would you give up, you know, would you give up the next, you know, if you could give up the next year for a million dollars, would you do it? And a lot of people are like, yes. And then they're like, how happy would you be if you got a million dollars just handed to you, you know, tomorrow when you wake up? And they're like, I'd be so happy. What if you got 10 million? Even more happy, right? What if you got a billion dollars tomorrow, right? I would be the happiest man on the, on the planet. And then they're like, what if, you, but what if you don't wake up at all, right? Uh, and they're like, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that then, right? And so... You know, at the end of the day, like the way you even pose that question, when you wake up in the morning, you know, the first, and I like to meditate a lot and, and, and think to myself and introspect. And so, you know, like the first thing I do when I wake up is 
I, I like to think about that. And it's, you know, me waking up today, it's worth more than a billion dollars, right? And so it's wow. already a good day. As soon as you open your eyes, it's already a good day. And, you know, like to have that feeling to start off your day like that, especially in business, we have so many things that are happening and your emails are already there and texts from all these people, right? There's, there's always something in yesterday's problems carry on to today. But to have that moment where you step back and you think like that, um, that, that, makes, that makes every day a good day. And, you know, that's what keeps me going. Uh, you know, that's Dude, what I freaking love that. I think you just yeah. changed my day and changed my <laughs> life with that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope no, the it, listeners made it to this point because that was gold right there. I appreciate that. But, uh, but yeah. And, 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 you know, and then the other thing is like last time we were on a call together is you asked, you asked, what are you grateful for today? And I thought that was so cool because, you know, I, there's a science to gratefulness. Uh, there truly is. And when you're grateful in your life, um, I, I think you'll automatically find passion in life and happiness in life, even for the small things. And, you know, one of the things that always motivates me is that if, if, you know, Grant Cardone and all these like, you know, big guys in real estate, if they can, if they can do it, so can I, because they have two eyes, two arms, two legs, two ears, and I have the exact same thing. There's nothing that they had that I don't. So it's, you know, like when you, when you're grateful, you can even start thinking like that and it changes your perspective is like, you know, I'm grateful that I have, you know, two working hands or I'm grateful that I have a support system like I do, or I'm grateful for, you know, my wife and my parents and, you know, all the other people that I love in my life. So, um, but yeah. Nice. That's, I, I totally believe it. This is one of the shirts I always wear. Gratitude, grateful attitude, actually a two T's in here. Um, now we are all influenced by people in our lives, regardless if we seek after them or they've just done something great that we admire. So who are some heroes in your life, both when you were young and now? Ooh, okay. So I have, I have three heroes in my life. Um, and I'll, I'll go into detail more on two of them. Um, and so, you know, the, the first one is my dad, you know, my dad, he, he motivated me. He pushed me my entire life. I remember I was a big sports guy um, always like, growing up. I loved playing sports and, you know, football was, was one of my dreams. And, you know, I, I remember waking up and going to, going to like our, sp our spiritual thing on Sunday morning. And I'm like, I'm like, I was like, I remember I was 14 and I was thinking to myself, man, how am I still going to go to, we'll call it church, just, you know, easy to mm -hmm. recognize. How am I going to go to church or my Sunday school? when I'm playing on NFL Sundays, right? Like that was like, I had this dilemma when I was like 14 years old and you know, there's no Indian person that plays in the NFL, right? We're all small scrawny kids. Um, but my dad was like, you decide right now. Like, do you wanna, do you wanna play professional football? If you do, then I'm gonna tell you to stop studying. I'm gonna tell you to do, stop everything and just focus on that. And he was kind of, he was kind of joking, but kind of serious. Cause he wanted me to study and stop playing games all day. Right. So he wanted me to, to, and he's like, if you, if you're not going to do that, and if you're not going to put in, you know, seven to 10 hours a day working on that craft, then you need to study because that's your future, you know? And so you need to, you need to focus. And that was the one big thing that my dad always taught me. And then the second thing was just becoming a people person. 
and uh, the personality and he has a he has a radiating personality and I, I really learned a lot from the way he works with people and talks to people and gives love to people so dad definitely one of my heroes number two Kobe Bryant uh, I knew it you know, you know Kobe I'm Mamba all day every day so <laughs> you know Kobe like more than just basketball like inspired me I remember every exam I would take in college I would wear a Kobe jersey under my sweatshirt or under my t-shirt, whatever it may be. But it wow. was, you know, like two, four on your shirt, you could do anything. Um, so mama mentality, you know, it, he said one thing, which, you know, I, I, I kind of alluded to a couple of days ago with you, Alex, but it was outwork yourself every single day. And I was always a very competitive kid, but it was to compete at the expense of others. So I wanted to beat you. Like that was my motivation. But then Kobe like shifted my mindset and it was compete with yourself. You know, you need to beat yourself every single day. And if this is your potential, the true competition is, can I get here? Like, can I outwork my own potential? Like how sick is that? Right. And so every day when I, I look at myself in the mirror, I ask myself, you know, am I better today than I was yesterday? So, you know, in every aspect, so like career, spiritual, wow. personal, all those kinds of things. And, and that's part of that like whole like meditating process is, um, you know, like thinking like that. And, and Kobe Bryant inspired that in me. And then the last one um, is, is, is a man, um, you know, Bandurang Atavlin. He's, he's kind of like my, my spiritual guide and my role model. And, you know, he started this school that I went to and really made me rethink my purpose in life and inspired me to, to want more, right? And made me realize that I'm not gonna take my money or my, my Lulu pants that I love so much. Like, I'm not gonna take those things on to my next life, right? Or my Porsche, like that, that stuff's not gonna come with me afterwards. And there's a poem called Death the Leveler. And it basically says like, at the end of the day, like we're all gonna, we're all gonna decompose into soil. And so all those things, material things that we have, it, it doesn't translate to anything more, right? And it's fun. I'm not saying it's it's not great. Like I have all those, I indulge in, in all those desires, but um, you know, the, the things that we do and the way we treat people and the way we live our life and the impact that we make, that stuff translates and that stuff carries on with our soul into the next life and you know, whatever, whatever philosophy you believe in, but I, I'm pretty sure most philosophies believe in, in the action and the qualities and what you do and you know, we believe in karma, obviously. So um, those kinds of things. But, he, you know, he was he's the guy that inspired me to think, you know, and, you know, we talk more about him on like a personal level. So, yeah, 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 definitely. So, you know, we are we are starting to come to the end of this podcast. So I do want to, you know, ask just a couple more questions, which you can elaborate into. Um, let's see. What are some of the good ones here? What, what's the single best trait that you think you have? single best <laughs> trying to stump you right now i know man um i'm debating between the fact that i never give up or um just i think coming back to that like mama mentality is always like pushing myself i will if i put my mind to something i'll get it done you know if I, i'll find a way and i'll get it done so if i put my mind that hey you know we're gonna raise this or hey you know this this project will not fail I will make sure that project will not fail, right? And so it, it's something that I think I've, 
I've pushed myself um, to, to kind of create that mentality. Uh, but I, I hate, I hate giving up. Um, and I think that's, that's the single most important quality that I have. Um, and so, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'll push myself to become perfect. And, you know, anyone who knows me can have faith in that, that if, if Sujay says he'll get it done, he'll find a way, you know, it may, he may not be perfect, but he'll, he'll find a way to get it done. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so how do people get in? How do people find you? Are you easily reachable? Like, are you too big time? Are you <laughs> like, you, you seem like you're, you know, you got a lot going on all the time. So how does somebody kind of get in contact you with you or be in, in your circle in your space? Like, is there some way that they can follow you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's the beautiful thing about even people like you, Alex, like your calls that you do, they're so engaging, like, you allow anyone to unmute themselves and talk and ask questions and pitch in. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And so no matter what, who you are, like get in touch, like would love to just to get to know you even just a, Hey, Hey, what's up? You know, what's your background? And I would love to hear from, from everyone and, um, you know, definitely get in touch with me. I think one of the easiest ways is, is Instagram. Uh, my handle is Suj Mehta. So S U J M E H T A. So you yeah. can find me on there, DM me. I, I respond to all my DMs. It might take me, you know, a couple hours or a day, but but I respond to all my DMs and, um, you know, I would love to love to meet people, get in touch. So definitely not too big time. Um, I don't think there's a such thing as too big time because at the end of the I day- I love it. Relations- I knew you were going to say that. I yeah. set you up for it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you set me uh, up. Yeah. Um, so- I want anybody to be watching the replay right now or watching this recording. Um, what resource can you share with them? Is there a resource that you can share with them? Um, what, what can you offer as a, as a guidance for somebody that just might not be able to get around you right now? Yeah, absolutely. So one, one thing is obviously through social media, right? We're, we're, we're trying to educate and we're trying to create awareness for specifically like hotels um, and then also life, right? So um, definitely follow me on, on social media. And we are also in the process of, of starting some free, you know, webinars and boot camps and then, you know, leading into maybe like a coaching program. Um, right now I do do like a partnership program because a lot of people want to get into hotels and want to get into the brands. They need a little bit of leverage uh, with the brands. And so, you know, would love to even, you know, partner or consult or whatever that may be to help people get started and, you know, be able to, be able to use our brand and what we've created to leverage, you know, their own, their own portfolio and their own dreams. So, uh, awesome. you know, definitely tap in on, on social media and you, you'll see all the things that we're, we're able to provide and, you know, g- get in touch. I mean, a lot of it is, is going to be free and um, just, just hop on, see, see what you can learn. Even, uh, even if you're not trying to get into the hotel space, I'm sure you'll, you'll learn something that is useful in everyday life. So, yeah, I didn't know I was going to get into the hotel space, but apparently I am. <laughs> so last thing, last thing for anybody else out there, this is just open for you to decide, you know, I, I always say there's no accident. Somebody landed on this call to listen to this podcast right here, right now, and even made it all the way to this point. So what would be your last message to somebody that's listening right now? Oh, my last message. My last message is, is don't be afraid. Don't be <laughs> afraid to, to get started. Don't be afraid to push yourself. Don't be afraid to challenge yourself. 
And all these things um, that we can achieve, our potential, we're the only ones that are holding ourselves back. And, you know, that's what I meant when I said we have two hands, two legs, you know, just like Jordan had, just like Kobe had, just like Alex has, just like I have and the Cardones of the world have. And so, you know, don't be afraid to push yourself, whether that's to get out of, you know, a certain toxic environment, whether that's to, you know, push yourself in career, to push yourself in like your spiritual life, in your personal life, but push yourself and don't be afraid to do so. So, uh, you know, that's the last thing uh, I would I would want to walk away with. And um, and yeah, so hopefully one day you guys will push me too. Yeah. Dude, I look for, I know that we're going to be hanging out soon. I know that we're going to be doing more things together. So I'm excited for the future of this relationship. And I'm excited to, you know, co-create with you. And uh, for all of you guys watching, thank you for, for listening all the way up to this point. And stay tuned for more amazing guests and, and um, guys like Sujay. And I'm just so honored that you were a yes to this. So thank you for being here and we'll talk on the catch you on the flip side. <laughs> no, thank you so much. And everyone listening, you have to tap into this summit. Again, it's I, I, I posted this yesterday, but it's the only place where it's real estate, entrepreneurship, all of that, plus something more. And there's, I haven't seen another platform that provides something more, right? And that, that X factor is going to bring beauty and life um, every day for us. And so, you know, tap in. Um, it's, I think it's going to be amazing. You know, even if you don't tap in to listen to me, I'm sure all the other people <laughs> will be great. And just to be around Alex. So, Alex, I love you, man. I appreciate you. And right, you're brother, doing thank you so much. Things. Talk soon. With that. We come to the end of another powerful episode of the That Changed My Life podcast. We hope you've been deeply moved by the personal stories shared today and that they have inspired you to reflect on your own life experiences. Change can be uncomfortable and challenging, but it's often the catalyst for growth and progress. Whether it's overcoming obstacles, taking risks, or embracing new opportunities, our lives are shaped by the choices we make and the moments that leave a lasting impact. I encourage you to take these stories to heart and reflect on how they can influence your own life. What changes do you need to make to become the best version of yourself? What pivotal moments have shaped your journey so far? How can you harness the power of change to create a more fulfilling life? Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Remember to subscribe, Leave a rating and review to help us reach more listeners and share these transformative stories with others. Follow me on Instagram at AlexLovely and use hashtag ThatChangedMyLife. I look forward to bringing you more inspiring stories in next week's episode. Until then, keep embracing change, striving for growth, and making a positive impact in your own life. This is Alex, signing off. <laughs>